working now? Now we're recording, now we're in business. Okay, so um, you've got your sheets, everybody got a handout? You need a handout to follow along? Ed, you need one? Yep. Okay. Brittany, you have a handout? Yeah. Okay. There you go. My goal with this class is to make you lovers of theology, students who are able to articulate the Christian faith, to understand biblical doctrine and to explain it to others, to be able to hear heresy better or to hear um, maybe not just heresy, but something that's off the mark a little bit. Uh, because hopefully through this class you'll know your Bible better. You'll understand what system of faith you're in better. You'll be able to uh, just better recognize what is good and what is not so good. Okay? Or less good. This is the introduction to systematic theology. And some people, when they hear the word theology, they don't like it. It's kind of like this boogie word. Like, you know, it's, it's red and scary. Um, or it's like something that's really nerdy. But uh, theology doesn't need to be that way. You are all theologians. You already have a belief about who God is. You already have a belief about who man is. Um, our goal is to be biblical theologians. Okay, we're going to answer in this class the questions, who is God? Why am I here? Jesus is true because we do know there are different Jesuses, right? Why trust the Bible? How can I be saved? And when is Jesus coming back? These questions and more will be addressed in this uh, class, okay? What is sis-theo, systematic theology? And this is where your notes will come in handy. Theology is, in a literal sense, to speak of God. It comes from two Greek words. One is theos, the word for God. That word is God. And it comes from um, the word logos, or lego which has to do with speaking and words. Okay? So, um, it literally just means to speak of God, theology. Um, and I like Wayne Grudem's definition. We're not going to, this isn't the final definition that we'll go with. We'll come back after lis listening to some other teachers explain it. But he says, systematic theology is any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? So you might be asked the question, who is Jesus? And you go to John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Now that says a lot. But systematic theology is what the whole Bible teaches us about any given topic. It strings together Old and New Testaments, all 66 books of the Bible, gives you a comprehensive, exhaustive, thorough view of any given topic. Charles Spurgeon said, systematic theology is to the Bible what science is to nature. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, so science, of course, is supposed to be an accurate study of nature. Um, systematic theology is just the science of the Bible. John MacArthur says a basic definition of systematic theology then would be the ordered exposition of Christian doctrines. Okay. A couple more. John Frame. Theology is the application of Scripture by persons to every area of life. Same theme here. Charles Ryrie. Theology is the discovery, systematizing, and presentation of the truths of God. 
So hopefully you're kind of picking up on some of the same themes. It's a, it's a way of studying and organizing what we believe about God and man from the whole Bible. So here's the definition we'll go with. Systematic theology is the organized presentation of various interdependent doctrines. I'm going to close these little windows over here. Organized presentation of various interdependent doctrines. That word interdependent is very important because you've experienced and you'll experience more and more in your life religious people who are members of a wayward movement, a false religion, and their doctrines are not always interdependent. In fact, they're often not interdependent. They might believe something about God that has profound effects on everything else in the universe, but that doesn't necessarily have to be linked to everything else in the universe. Uh, they can, so for instance, uh, Mormons, we're familiar with them, aren't we? Hmm. Who's heard of Mormons? No, <laughs> so they believe that their God was once a man on another planet who went through all the ordinances of their church to be exalted to Godhood as man is, God once was. What do they believe about man? Do they believe that man has sin? Nope. They do. Well, they do. do they? Up until the age of eight, oh. we're innocent. But, you know, after that, you know, we have sin that we have to make up for. What does that mean? If as man is, God once was, does that mean God was once a sinner? Well, logically, yes. That's what I'm saying. It's not holy. He is not holy. He can't be. He had sin just like we do now because we are God's an embryo. But do they answer that question that way? Do they say it that plainly? They absolutely do not because their doctrines are not interdependent. You can believe one thing that has profound effects on everything else, but you can still keep them separate because they don't have to be consistent. They don't have to be logical. Um, it's a very sad state of being. It's a very inconsistent way to live. So our goal in systematic theology is to have these various doctrines that are interdependent, okay, and to explain those in an organized fashion. And I like Wayne Grudem's definition for doctrine, so this is the one we'll use for doctrine. Right below that it says, what is doctrine? Well, a doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches us today about some particular topic. A doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches us today about some particular topic. So, um, a doctrine is like a part of the whole. Your doctrine of man is a part of your systematic theology. Your systematic theology is made up of doctrines. A doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches us today about some particular topic. Okay? Thoughts or questions on what that is? Jerry Bowman. Why do you put today in there? Is that as opposed to up until... Well, I don't. Wayne Grudem did. Okay. What do you think that means? Is he just talking about once after the, oh, the Second Testament was complete? Yeah, he's not... He's certainly not a, an open canon kind of guy. Um, even though he's, that's an area where he's inconsistent. But we'll get to that eventually. Okay. Uh, but um, what he is saying about what the whole Bible teaches us today, I believe is what he's saying, is that at any given moment in the present, 
what the whole Bible is saying to us. And so it's not saying that the Bible is changing. It's not saying, um, you know, our interpretations should be changing or anything like that. I think he's saying in the present, in this moment, what the whole Bible is saying. He wouldn't be one to say that the Bible is subject to change or that our interpretation is subject to any kind of vast change. But you can add, you can send him an email. <laughs> and then read it to the class when you get a reply. And it, and Go ahead. Sorry. And I've read part of Wayne Grudem's systematic introduction to systematic government. And he is pretty good about saying, this is what I believe, this is what Orthodox Christianity, other yeah. teachers believe. So yeah. His- he tries to be fair saying this is not necessarily what all Christians believe. Right. In his one volume, Systematic Theology, which is when I quote him and just put a page number, that's what it's from. Uh, it's one of the best that you could get, the most succinct, most clear, all that. Um, but I have seven or eight different Systematic Theologies in my library. If you were ever looking at buying one, you could swing on in and I could explain them to you. I'd be happy to do that. Okay. Why does theology matter? Several answers to this question, but first is one I've already mentioned. Everyone is a theologian. So everyone already is a theologian, but not everybody has a a system that they can explain. Uh, So we desire to be biblical theologians. Why Why does theology matter? Well, because the Bible presents theology to us. And since we're already a theologian, our goal is to conform ourselves to what Scripture presents. We don't want to have our own way of thinking that's outside of Scripture, but we want to be in line with Scripture. Because... What has the authority, after all? Scripture. Yeah. Not what we think, but what God says. So we want to know God as far as he has revealed himself. We want to discover more of God's design and purpose for man. And we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. To know God, to discover more of God's design and purpose, and to worship God. When Jesus told the woman at the well that his followers would worship God in spirit and in truth. Uh, That's a really profound statement, isn't it? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Because if you're just worshiping in spirit and you're not concerned about truth, how do you know what spirit you're following? In 1 John, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, in 1 John, what did he say? Discern the spirits. Test the spirits to know whether or not they are from God. Now, if you're just worshiping in truth and not in spirit, then what are you doing? Well, you end up worshiping information. You just end up worshiping the truth itself instead of allowing the truth to lead you to the God who is spirit. So it's important to have these two items in balance and that we focus on uh, worshiping God in a balanced way, in a right way. And then finally, we have been commissioned to proclaim the truth about God and man with the whole world. Our commission is to reach the world with the truth, not a truth or one of the truths, the truth, because there's only one. We've been commissioned to proclaim the truth about God and man with the whole world. That's what the church is up to. If we don't have a right understanding of who God is and who man is, How good will we do when it comes to sharing the gospel? How good will we do about answering objections to the gospel? 
<laughs> and there are lots of people out there who have not studied biblical theology who get in over their heads because they get fired up about reaching people and they never studied. So they get asked questions and they say wrong things or they get put into classes to teach and they don't know what they're teaching. So we need to be equipped in our minds. Okay? We need to be equipped to proclaim the truth about God and man with the whole world. Well, let me give you some definitions. We're not going to cover all those definitions on your sheet right now, but let me give you a few of those to just get us started. Orthodoxy, and feel free to shorten this however you'd like. Orthodoxy is the historical understanding God's people have had concerning primary doctrine based on the clarity of the Word of God. Orthodoxy is the historical understanding God's people have had concerning primary doctrine, which we'll define shortly, based on the clarity of the Word of God. So there is a definitely a historical aspect to orthodoxy where uh, it's church history informs us of what God's people have thought down through the ages. You realize the church, the church is almost 2,000 years old, right? So here we are. Do we ignore the past 2,000 years? No. Do we canonize the last 2,000 years? So don't do that either because it's not the Bible. But should we pay attention to it and learn from it? Yes. Should we look for the consistencies, the agreements that God's people have had based on the clarity of the Word of God? Yes. Absolutely yes. So then what's heresy? This is a really short definition. If you understand orthodoxy, heresy is easy. It's a disagreement with orthodoxy. Heresy is a disagreement with orthodoxy. Now let me throw something out there that not all people uh, share my view on, but this is what I'm going to teach you. I believe there's a difference between heresy and damnable heresy. Damnable heresy is a disagreement with orthodoxy on a salvation issue. Now, of course, salvation issue needs to be defined for that to be thoroughly understood, but I think there's a difference. I think there's a there are heretics, and then there are heretics who are definitely going to hell. And that's a uh, something that we can explore in the coming weeks, months, years, decades that we're together in this class. Did you have a thought, Mr. Bowman? That looks like Greek there. What, are, what is ortho and doxy? So doxy comes from doxa, which is the Greek word for glory, like doxology. It's when we speak the glories of God. Um, ortho, that's the, uh, that's the word for the guy who puts braces on your face. No, uh, I, I. It's a type of view. <laughs> yeah, I, I would need to look into that more about ortho. I think it has something to do with perspective. Um, heresy comes from, and actually, there's only one verse in the Bible that has the word heresy in it. Do you know what it is? Anybody know what it is? Anybody want to take a stab at it? To do with uh, Absalom's hair? New Testament. New Testament. Second Peter 2.1. You guys want to look that up? Second Peter 2.1. Someone want to read that for us? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Look at you. He's doing it from memory. False teachers among you who were introduced to structure. Yes. And what even Denying the master of the body. Okay. Good. 
And that is the word, the word iresis, iresis, or hyresis. So it's where we get the word heresies, hyresis, heresies. That's what's there for um, the word heresies in our English. So the, that's the only uh, verse where it's, we find it used as we see it today, okay? Or as we use it today. Now, um, I mentioned back here in the definition for orthodoxy, primary doctrine, and there are various degrees of doctrine. Not every doctrine is a hill to die on. I hope you know this. Otherwise, you won't have very many friends. Okay? Uh, some, there are some doctrines where we can agree to disagree and pat each other on the back and everybody's still happy. But there are some convictions where we need to shoot the wolves. Right? So, um, not every doctrine is a hill to die on. Christians have many convictions, but not every one of them is worth dying for. And to put it in a succinct fashion, there are primary, secondary, and doubtful doctrines. So I'm going to go through and define those. You guys have those on your sheet where you can put a definition in under those headings. Again, shorten these however you'd like. I give long definitions, but that's just kind of how I roll. Even though Proverbs says lots of words, I think definitions are an exception to that. Okay, uh, We need to have good thought out definitions. And be very intentional with all of our words. So primary doctrine is comprised of issues on which Scripture is absolutely clear and on which the church should not budge. These are the hills that all Christians should be willing to die on. So primary doctrine, these are the ones where if you are a part of a church and that church changes its understanding of one of those doctrines you're probably going to want to leave, okay? That you can't really, you can't stay there, um, assuming that they went from orthodoxy to heresy. If you disagree with a primary doctrine, you're some form of a heretic because Scripture's absolutely clear. All Christians agree on this. So, for instance, um, the gospel, the gospel message, if we would just go super basic, the gospel message. Is Scripture clear about the gospel? Is there any wiggle room in the gospel that there's another, another, another way? No. So if you're part of a church and that church starts saying you have to be baptized in order to be saved, they've just tinkered with the gospel. And it's time to, to leave. And it's time to, to tell them on your way out, you're heretics. And if you truly believe that, you're not on your way to heaven. That's the significance of primary doctrine. Baptism act belief, not a debate. We'll get to that eventually. Yeah, okay. Secondary doctrine. Secondary. Secondary doctrine is comprised of issues on which Scripture allows for interpretive differences. These are not orthodoxy versus heresy issues, yet they can cause divisions and denominational divides. So, uh, we'll take an example here. Um, what's one that, because uh, you're getting ready to do an exercise and I don't want to ruin that for you. Let's see. Um, okay, giving. How people give. There's some churches that uh, have a box, like ours, and some churches that pass a plate. Is that a primary issue? No. Is that an issue of orthodoxy versus heresy? No, it's not. Um, 
communion. Some churches do every Sunday. Some churches do once a month. Some churches do once a quarter. Some churches do once a year. Is that orthodoxy versus heresy on that one? It's not. Now you might have a, you're probably feeling inside, I have a strong conviction about that. Once a year sounds ridiculous. But can you say that those people are going to hell? No, you can't. Okay. So you got to have these categories in your mind. Um, and, and realize some people, because of their convictions, some people are really convicted that we need to have communion every week. And if our church offers it once a month and we're just, that's the way we are, those people will probably go to another church. And that's okay. That's okay. All right. As long as they're not forcing us to change and we're not forcing them to change. Now we can share wisdom, certainly. But, okay, and then finally, doubtful things. Doubtful things are issues on which Scripture leaves up to conscience. They sometimes affect the spiritual progress of others, so believers' actions should be adjusted accordingly. This is in Romans 14, where Paul talks about the one who eats only vegetables, the weaker brother, and then the stronger brother who's chowing down on the, the triple baconator at Wendy's or whatever. Uh, you know, who's right and who's wrong? Scripture doesn't say either one's right. Scripture doesn't say either one's wrong. It's a conscience issue, purely a conscience issue. Um, so many things fall into this category. For instance, what movies Christians can watch, what shows, what music, that sort of thing. Because you might be surprised that a, someone who proclaims to be a Christian watches a certain show. Well, no Christian can ever watch that. Now, there might be an issue there, a real issue, that, a primary issue that needs to be addressed. And it might just be your conscience doesn't allow you to do it, but their conscience does. We'll get to that one, too. In your group activity. Okay. So if someone disagrees with Andy... Get in Andy's group and you guys can wrestle. Uh, so, and so it's really tough. Now, now, the biggest misconception that people have with this category is so many people jump to, well, this is the area of grace. Where we all have grace to do whatever we want. Well, what did we get liberty for? Why did God give us liberty? For serving one another, for loving one another, for building one another up. Not for spending it on ourselves. So when we recognize we do have grace and scripture leaves these things up to conscience, we also have to recognize there's a bunch of wisdom that we still need to employ when we make those decisions. Should we say, well, the Bible doesn't say what movies you can and can't watch. So give me that NC-17 latest release and I'll just watch, you know, whatever's on my screen because that's grace. No, no. There's wisdom in that. You got to have biblical wisdom. And there are certain things like watch something that is purely based on being entertained through nudity. Now that, that bumps up to, that's a primary issue. At this point, you're violating what Scripture clearly says about immorality and porneia. So there's wisdom in that, and certain issues can be elevated back up to primary from that category. Uh, you just, but you have to start thinking in these, in these categories. So someone comes to church, and we've got coffee out here, and that person says, maybe that person's former, LDS. I can't believe you serve coffee here. I would never drink coffee. Well, it's okay for you to be repulsed by it. Walk around. Don't look at it. Don't force other people to have your conscience. Because the Bible does not prohibit food anymore. 
if you understand Scripture correctly. So that person needs to not try to change us, and we need to not try to change that person and just let God develop their conscience. Ed. I have a point on that LDS. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I know an LDS very good, mm -hmm. and uh, they wouldn't drink coffee here, but they'll drink it in home. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> this is the sacred place. You can't profane it. Yeah. Okay, Andy. So I've had debates with family members about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's crystal clear in Scripture, right? And yet, our culture, obviously, is tilting way over towards the acceptance and even encouragement of it. That, to me, is a very, is very clear in Scripture. Yes, that, so that makes it primary. Right. There's no way to read Scripture consistently or earnestly and come out thinking, yeah, God doesn't have a design for that. You can do whatever you want. Right? Right. So discerning, and that's, that's where our mind should go when something like that is brought up. Our mind should go to, is this primary, secondary, doubtful? The way you approach those conversations is going to be different, isn't it? It should be. <laughs> so often Christians approach things in this category, like primary issues, and primary things they treat like they're in this category. We don't want to do that. we got to have our, our thoughts in line. So now we'll do our group activity. So let's have Tyler join this first row, and then the back row, and Andy uh, can be back there at the back table, and Tyler can be up here. You each get a, each get a poster board and sticky notes. At least one person will need a pen in each group, so make sure you have a pen. What you're going to do, here, why don't you guys uh, go around that table over there, and then they'll be back in that corner. What you, got, what you all are going to do is, I'm going to put up certain items on the screen. You're going to write one item per sticky note, and put that note in the appropriate column. So I'm going to give you topics, and you guys have to figure out, is that topic a primary issue, a secondary issue? or a doubtful thing. All right, so um, I hope there are some that you won't agree with each other on. You can take, uh, nah, don't take it. There, there, are one, there are lots of them on there that aren't on there. No cheat so. sheets, Okay. Come on back here, guys. So. There you go. There are your topics. The rapture, hair dye colors, church band instruments, salvation by faith, deity of Jesus, how election works, not the presidential election, but God's election of individuals, trinity, man's depravity, tongue speaking, alcohol, abortion, body piercings, literal, conscious, eternal hell, and method of baptism. That yes, sir. There you go. My conscience won't allow me. All right, so now take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however much time you need, wrestle through these topics and figure it out. All right, before we start going through your individual charts, let me ask you, 
Why is it important to distinguish between these three columns? What, why is that important? In your own words, Andy. Consolidation. If you don't distinguish between what is critical or necessary for salvation, you cannot distinguish between errant, you know, damnable heresies. Mm -hmm. You can't. Yeah. You have to be able to scripturally understand what is necessary for salvation. Yes. Yeah, and let me give you another word. Definitional. Defining. So, did both of you put paradigm colors in the third column? Yeah. Okay, so that's a safe one. <laughs> Should Christianity be defined by what hair colors we allow and don't allow? No. <laughs> no, it should. Did all of you put Trinity in the first column? That's good. Okay. <laughs> should, should Christianity be defined by God being triune? Yes. So, now do you see how if you have those two switched, you have, you've got a really messed up view of religion? And this is what this is where cults come from. Cults take things in that third column, the doubtful things column, and in the secondary column, and in the primary doctrine, and they put it all in primary. There's no, there's no differentiation. And there's no various consciences. Everybody has the same conscience in a cult. You're told what you can eat and drink. You're told what you can wear and when you can wear it. You're told where to go, how to do things. Now, there are certain aspects in which Scripture directs us in those. But if we make everything that we have a conviction on part of the definition of Christianity, that religion is going to have one member and it's going to be you. That's not how God builds his church. Okay? So we have to have these things uh, organized in our thinking. So let's go through. Row one will be group one. Row two will be group two. Row one, where's the rapture? Uh, second. Two. Second. Row two, do you agree? We did, yeah. Oh, okay. Was there anybody within group two that had wanted to put up a fight against that? Yes. Why? <laughs> Ask him. Are <laughs> <laughs> you pointing to Jerry Bowman? No, he's pointing to Ed. Ed. Oh. No, when I first came up, but they convinced me that. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking of it in, in belief in. Uh, Oh, I see. The return of Christ, yeah. essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so the physical, literal return of Christ, is that first column or second column? First column. First. first. If you deny that, then you're in heresy land, right? But as far as the rapture and the timing of the rapture and all of that, because some people lump the rapture in with the second coming, some people put it before, etc. Yeah, secondary. We already talked about hair dye colors. Did any comment from either group on that one before we move on? I think purple is really out of the game. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's write it down. <laughs> purple. All except purple. God says no purple. Beige. Beige. Church band instruments. Third column? Third column. Group one, do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> Any comments from the peanut gallery on that one? If David did, why can't we? 
The stringed instruments. Good enough for Dave. Good enough for Dave. Your culture kind of dictates what your instruments are. Now, but let me ask you: Does this include drums? Okay. All right. Okay. Why don't we use cymbals? Much more biblical, wouldn't it be? I agree. Yeah, we just. Tyler, bring his drum set. <laughs> so, salvation by faith. Everybody, all God's people said salvation by faith is what column? Primary. Primary. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> deity of Jesus, group one. Primary. Primary? Please tell me you agree. <laughs> all right, group two. How election works, God's election of individuals to salvation, how all that works. Where'd you put it? Secondary? Secondary. Secondary. First group? Secondary. Secondary. Why is that one secondary? It's more detailed. Well, the deity of Jesus is pretty detailed. Thing. Well, it's What's how election works. Yeah. Is in, uh, our understanding is sorely limited, but it is obviously clearly stated. So how it works is beyond us and never shall be. Yeah, so what we're hearing is the how. And this is an important aspect of this whole discernment conversation. The difference between a principle and a method. Principle and a method. So going back to giving, we talked about that earlier. Is it primary or secondary that Christians are to be a giving people? Is that a primary doctrine? If someone rejects giving altogether, primary or secondary issue? Why? Goes against the teachings of scripture. And primary, our definition for primary doctrine has to be clear in scripture. Is it clear that Christians should be a giving people? Yes. Okay. Now, how you give, primary or secondary? Secondary. Okay. So what you have is the principle is giving itself, and the method is how you give. So need a period there. If there's, if someone feels convicted, 10%, which, however they figure that out, if someone's just convicted, 10%, then that's their how, that's their method. That's not binding on all Christians. But if someone says, I feel convicted that God wants me to hoard all my money, <laughs> nah, there's a problem there. There's a deeper issue, because that scripture's clear. You're not to be that type of person as you represent Jesus in the world. That's yeah, because Jesus gave his life. We are also to lay down our lives in various forms, all right? So principle and method, very good. So election, if someone denies that election exists, that's a primary issue. But how it works is secondary. Walker. So Jesus gave his life for us to, for, so we could be forgiven for our sins, which would be primary. Yes. But what, about how, <laughs> how he died, would that be primary or secondary? What do you mean by how he died? Like cross like versus cross. otherwise? Um, is scripture absolutely clear that he died on a cross? Yes. Yeah, I'd put it in primary. Mm -hmm. So okay. there's certain things 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because of what happens is if you reject something that Scripture is absolutely clear about, now you're rejecting Scripture. It's got to be a primary at that point. Okay. Prophecy was a tree. Yeah. Right. And we see in Galatians and in 1 Peter that that prophecy was fulfilled on the cross. Okay. Trinity, we already touched on that one. First column, first column. Any thoughts on that before moving on to the next one? Good, good, good. And the coming weeks we'll be defining the Trinity and articulating it. It'll be good. Man's depravity. Group two, where'd you put it? Group one, where'd you put it? <laughs> looks like it's got uh, it's 80% in the first column and 20% in the second column. What's up with that, group two? Um, it was like you were saying with, the, uh, with the, how election works. If you're talking about man's sin, that's first column. But if you're talking about like what man's sin is about or something like that, then it goes into the secondary. What man's sin is about? Ask Tyler. He's the one that's on. Oh. <laughs> Tyler threw the, the wrench in the whole process. Go ahead. Yeah, if you want to define it as total depravity, that's a secondary issue. But the overall depravity of man as a whole is primary. So essentially the effects of depravity. How, how far are those effects? Um, that's secondary. Because some people would say, would be so strong on man's depravity, it almost sounds like they think everybody who's not a Christian is just brain dead. That's pretty far. But then some people are so light on depravity... That it's like there's really no difference between a regenerated Christian and a sinner. So there's a spectrum on that. And we'll get into that in anthropology in a few weeks. Tongue speaking. Group one. Where's tongue speaking? It's, so it's like 90% in secondary. <laughs> okay. 10%. <laughs> okay. And first. Group two. Third, didn't we? Yes. Third column. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. This is what I wanted. <laughs> Cage match. Jerry Bowman, go ahead. And you're starting a sentence. I thought we put it in second. We're all on board. Oh, it's in second. Uh, apparently, there was some conversation at least that it was to be the third. Go ahead. Well, the, the secondary issue would be that it's necessary that it's not necessary for salvation yeah and it did happen the issue is whether it's still expected normal so like pentecostals who say if you are saved you speak in tongues right, that's, yeah. that's primary at that that's, point right but that is what defines denominations to a large I, I think I was an influence on that because I knew a pentecostal uh, minister that I worked for mm. for a good year. And uh, authentic Christian man he was. Mm. But he also was in time. Yeah. And it's yeah. scriptural. Yeah, and not everybody who's a part of the Pentecostal denomination or one of its sub-denominations, like Assemblies of God or, or whatever, not everyone who's a part of one of those churches believes you need to speak in tongues to be saved. But their official position as a Pentecostal church says, just like at Pentecost, if you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to blah, 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 blah. You're going to speak in Babel, which isn't what they did at Pentecost. But, um, okay, now this group, is that what you were thinking through on that one? Is that why it's kind of in both a little bit? Um, Jerry? Jerry? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> it was it did it have to do maybe with new revelation from God that aspect that go ahead yeah so we were thinking that you don't obviously you don't need it to be saved but um, some uh, religions use it and need it so we were just thinking it's need it <laughs> need it like, <laughs> do you need it no. then why do they need it uh, it's because, like, the Catholics, their Bible is in, like, Latin, so... Oh, languages. They need other languages. Right. Yeah. Tongue-speaking is different. A little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all need other languages. That's true. <laughs> well, and... I... So this is, this is where it gets a little... Um, shady, uh -huh. I guess. Tongue speaking. I've heard people that I respect a lot say they believe in tongue speaking. Yeah. However, including Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem, Matt Slick. Yeah. Okay. And then what they say though is that biblically, if you're going to have tongue speaking, you have to have someone who's there to interpret. Right. That's so. In other words, in the modern context, when you're talking about the Gospels and Assemblies of God, they're just battle and they're all bad and nobody's standing there you know there's not two people one interpreting and one battle so to speak mm -hmm. or speaking in tongues and one interpreting that's that's where it's unbiblical right in my understanding yes yeah um and unprofitable, unprofitable. thoroughly yep. uh we're we are running out of time man um group one where did you put abortion Secondary. Reactions group two? We, it's a murder issue. Yeah, so we'll put it we in why is it, why is abortion in the secondary column? Yeah. Tell the group, tell the class. Go <laughs> ahead. in the first, all men going to sin, we realize that. Yeah. So it doesn't specifically say. Since sin is not, oh, I see. Sin's not categorized, okay? Murder is the sin, but it's forgivable. Yeah. So it's not a primary instrument like salvation by faith. So it falls into a secondary, a belief that it is true murder, and God's against it. Yep. So, you know, but is that where you take would, that stance, or is, do you not take that stance? Is that where you would put transgenderism, is in the second column? Yes. Because the Bible doesn't speak about transgenderism? Because is it so? The Bible does say about transgenderism. Anything that defiles man's body against his own principle of what he was naturally made for is a sin. Yep. But yeah. is a sin not to salvation? No, it's not. Well, but, but what we need to remember is is Scripture absolutely clear that murder is sin? Right. It's one of the commandments. And is it absolutely clear that abortion is murder? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, so there, so there you go. It's a primary issue. Because Scripture is clear and we shouldn't budge. Remember, that's our definition for primary. We shouldn't budge. Secondary is we can pat each other on the back and we're okay. Can we pat someone on the back who killed their own child and say, it's cool? No, we can't. So that, that's where that separates. So I don't even like it being on there. Move it. Move it through. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Literal, conscious, eternal hell, group two. Primary. Group one? Primary. 
That'll be fun to talk about when we get there. <laughs> Method of baptism. Andy was fighting this one harder. <laughs> Did you lose? Or concede? Did you eventually concede? So, <laughs> I went to we got 30 seconds. Second call. Yeah. I, but I but you wanted to put it in the first column, didn't you? I was training in the first column, but I recognize that it's not a salvation issue. It's not. But the first column's not defined by a salvation issue. First column's defined by Scripture is absolutely clear and we shouldn't budge. So the Trinity, un rightly understanding the Trinity, you don't have to rightly understand that before you can be saved, right? Now you're making me doubt myself. <laughs> um, is, it, is our method of baptism definitional to Christianity? And if you say yes, then Presbyterians are going to hell, and Ed's going to cry. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that means R.C. Sproul is in hell right now. Right. Okay. No. All right. Okay. There you go. There you go. Wait. So we'll come back. We'll come back around to that. We'll come back around. Um, these definitions. Maybe we'll start off with this next week because I'm so out of time. Um, we'll come back to those. But here's your memory verse that I want you guys to to work on memorizing this week. I may have said Colossians 2.10 on your sheet. I'm sorry. 1.10. 1.10. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. How do you do that? By studying His Word. That's what we're going to do in this class. Okay? All right. Let me pray for us and then we will dismiss. Father, again, we thank You for this time and Thank you for uh, just giving us your word that speaks to us clearly, that is our authority in all manners of life and godliness. We ask that you would give us great conversations here as we start to, to go in and look doctrine by doctrine to develop our thinking on these things. In Jesus' name, amen. The wrap it up music, like the Oscars. <laughs> wow.